Hey, Frequent Flyers. We're back in the cockpit. We did kind of take an episode off on the last episode, but hope it was a good April Fool's joke for you. Justice, what'd you think? I mean, like you said, we kind of took it off. I mean, we didn't record that one, but we still had to do the edity stuff and the publishy stuff. Like, we still did stuff. Yeah, but you didn't hear from us on the last episode. That episode was kind of our idea. Just Chris and Hunter knocked that out of the park way more than I ever thought. Like It was absolutely fantastic. And if you hadn't heard the song Albuquerque before, I am happy to know that you have at least heard the lyrical context of the song. And you should probably just listen to it in its entirety in performance. But also the spoken portion of it was quite enjoyable in my opinion. Yeah, honestly... When I pitched that idea to Chris and Hunter, when we pitched that idea to Chris and Hunter, I was expecting like a 10, 15 minute episode and just like, I was going to pad out the rest of it with stuff. I mean, we did tell them like 10 or 15 was what we were expecting. And of course, being good friends, the response we got was, ha, we could probably make it an hour just to fuck with you guys. <laughs> uh, we didn't get quite the hour though. It was 40 minutes and it was... It was about an hour before editing. Oh, uh, well, that's fair. Like 50-ish minutes. So, hope you guys enjoyed that April Fool's joke. We have future plans for future April Fools, but that's a year away. On the other side, though, we do have stuff coming up next month. It is our one-year anniversary on May 2nd, so we got some special stuff planned. Special? Maybe. I mean, I'd prefer the term torturous, but I mean, I guess torture is special for some people. Torture is love for some people. Yeah, in a weird way, I would say, I guess. Like Catherine, that game. (laughs) Fun game. Speaking of games, I finally cracked and started playing Hades. You did, and you are enjoying it, weirdly, right? Yeah, I, I hate roguelikes, and I had this conversation with a friend last night. We were talking, and I just hate roguelikes. But I, I fell in love with Slay the Spire last year. Yeah. And Slay the Spire was like, yeah, sure. I mean, I know it's a roguelike, but it's a deck builder first, right? It's a card game first. And, and you are obsessed with card games. So by being like, it's a card game, and it's just weird roguelike bullshit that I can ignore. Yeah. Hades, though, doesn't have that. Hades is just a roguelike, but it's a very good roguelike, and I love it. I don't know why. I have. It has pretty art. Uh, great writing sense and just the music is fire too. I don't the know. Music like, is great. Like arguably everything besides the roguelike portion, which is what you don't enjoy. Everything else is so amazing and great and perfectly well portrayed and done that it is easily a great reason to play the game, even if you're not a fan of the gameplay. It's funny because like I, I kind of like playing in Tartarus. The first like level of the escape Tartarus is kind of fun. I like the boss fights in Tartarus and like the mini boss fights. And I like the Hydra boss fight in Asphodel, but I honestly hate all of Asphodel. Asphodel can go fuck off. I just hate the enemies there, and I hate, like, all the lava traps. And, and then Elysium, I just hate all the enemies in Elysium. I like fighting um, the Minotaur and... I don't remember the name of the champion is. God, I'm so bad at this. Mm. But I like fighting the boss and the mini-boss on, on that level. But I hate the entire rest of that level. Understandable. And then you have the level with Cerberus, which is, like... The Temple of Sticks, and that ranges from either highly annoying if you have a good build, where you can keep all the poison shit away from you, or just fucking unbearably awful if you don't have a good build, because then you're getting poisoned and have to keep running back and forth between fountains. Uh, so either way, I don't. En- either way, I don't enjoy it. Oh, I misinterpreted that. And then you have the fight fight with Hades, and Hades is a fucking amazing fight. Like that fight is so much fun. But like, I feel like what I'm saying here is like I hate over fifty percent of every run I do. But for some reason, I'm still enjoying the game. Like, I actively hate 
playing parts of the game. And then I'm just like, yeah, but the entire game as a whole is fun. Don't ask me. I don't understand people who play games that they hate. People do that with a lot of like, this game is so hard, I hate it. And like, you can, like the way they talk about it, they legitimately actually hate the game, but keep playing it. And I don't know if it's a weird sense of pride, inborn masochism or whatever, but I just don't get it. Currently, I'm just trying to decorate the palace. Like, just trying to get the stuff I need to finish decorating the palace, which is a grind. And I like grinding and there's hidden weapon unlocks still to get and i enjoy like getting stuff like that and it makes things pretty and that's what matters the most but um all in all i think like actively playing the game i hate half of it at least yeah i get that that said um i unlocked my first summon last night i have no idea what that is but congratulations summons are i guess kind of a late game thing because some people that have been playing it for like months i've seen don't have summons yet yeah. And the game has an entire button on the controller dedicated to using summons. Oh, is that where you hold your uh, keyblade up into the sky and then like Simba or Ariel or the genie appear? Similar. Similar, oh, okay, actually. Cool, cool. Like, it's where you hold the button. Actually, you just have to press the button once and a friend you chose at the beginning of the run, you summon via the power of friendship to help you out. So similar. Huh. Currently, my only summon is a guy named Skelly and he is your living trainee dummy. He is and he's actually pretty funny most of the time. So all he does is stand there and distract enemies so they attack him instead. I mean, having someone draw aggro. It's so good. Fucking great. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah it's similar to what you were talking about with kingdom hearts you literally use the power of friendship and, and you, i was i was joking but and in hades you get friends by bribing them with illegal contraband i'm pretty sure that's how that works in kingdom hearts too i might, I might be wrong pretty sure hearts are illegal for people to have i might not understand the story of those games but fight me no one does <laughs> So, Hades is the only thing I've been playing video game wise. I spent all of last week trying to get people together to play Among, Among Us, Us for the newest map because the new map's out, but nobody wants to play with me. That's because nobody likes you. And then when I couldn't get people to play Among Us, I played a couple hours of Fall Guys. The new Fall Guys maps are amazing. Like, God, they're so good. And the thing is, I don't know why I like Fall Guys either. You mentioned it while I was playing it, but Fall Guys is a platformer. Yes, it's a platformer. And you hate those as well. I think I just like the competition and I like seeing how many people are so much worse at Fall Guys than I am. Because I, one of the reasons I hate platformers is because I'm bad at them. But, <laughs> You're but fucking horrible at them. But Fall Guys, I'm actually good at, and there's so many people that are worse at it than I am. And that makes me happy. Ah, so it's all an ego boost for you. Yeah, kind of. That's that's sad. Yeah, just... So, have you been playing anything recently? I not, think you were playing something. Not uh, really. I mean, I kicked Fable back up, but I'm still not as far as I was when I was recently playing it a few months ago. Ah, uh, Fable 1, right? Yeah, and then I got annoyed at the chicken kicking contest, so I just massacred everyone in Oakville, and <laughs> it was mine. I've never played Fable 1. It's fun. I mean, it's basically just Fable 2 with a less refined uh, UI and like less refined gameplay systems, but the story's still fine. And it, it basically plays the same. It's just slightly less refined. That's really the only difference. I've always heard that Fable 2 is just better Fable 1. Exactly. It's just a more refined Fable 1. So after I played and put dozens of hours into Fable 2 and then had my data ruined, anyways... So other than Fable, have you been playing anything? No. Okay. What have you been watching other than the shows we're watching for the cast? Because we're actually ahead of schedule right now. I watch... I don't remember the name of it. It's an anime. Mm-hmm, obviously. Yeah. Not because you only watch anime, because you don't remember the name of it is what I mean. Like... It, Journey of the Ashen Witch, Elena, or Journey of... 
the Ashen Witch, something like that. It's pretty good. It was just fantasy, magic-y stuff, and it was fun. It was Prodigy becomes Apprentice Witch before anyone else, like the youngest Apprentice Witch, then becomes Actual Witch, and then just travels and has fun, weird, like, new, fun versions of, like, Grimm's Fairy Tale bullshit. It wasn't Grimm's Fairy Tales, but it was, like, the same tone of, like, look, this is this adventure. This is, like, this weird story that's happening that they're just kind of mildly interacting with and observing and then talking about later. I have no idea if that sounds good or not. It was. Cool. I know together we've been watching, we've been keeping up with the new season of My Hero Academia because My Hero Academia is amazing. amazing always. Um, we've been watching The Rookie because it's hella good police procedural drama. The Good Doctor, which this season's <laughs> really pushing me off the show. Like, yeah. We've been watching Invincible. Oh, God, Invincible. Invincible is five, four, five. I believe it's five four. episodes in now. Five episodes in now. It's based off a comic by the same guy that made The Walking Dead. Robert Kirkman. Thank you for remembering his name because I didn't. I am good with names. And it's been amazing. Like, Yeah, uh, we actually vaguely talked about possibly recording an episode for it. But when we realized it was out, there were three episodes up. Because Amazon dropped three episodes at the same time. And we were like, well, we're not going to wait to watch the third episode because those first two were awesome. Yeah. So, so, um, fuck off. It wasn't in our plans. We already had stuff ready to go, like, what we planned on doing. So, our review would have, like, pushed something else back, or it would have been several months later, so. Yeah, we've got a couple months worth of content already planned out and started on the works right now, and Invincible would have just pushed some stuff around and... Mm-hmm. So instead, we're just going to watch it and enjoy it for ourselves. Yeah! We are also keeping up with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> yeah. Keeping up with is a strong word. I mean... Like, it's like... We're keeping up with it, and like we're not falling a week or an episode behind at any point. But when we were keeping up with WandaVision, it was like, "Hey, four a.m. new episodes up. Let's go." I mean, three a.m. the episode was up. My point. <laughs> um, but how can a Winter Soldier? It's, it's like, like, "Hey, it's it's Friday. Do you want to watch it?" Nah. Okay. Hey, it's Sunday. Do you want to watch it? I mean, I guess <laughs> it's not been bad. Um, I'm it's still... just not been great either. It's been lackluster compared to WandaVision, but still a good show overall. I think this most recent episode, uh, I don't remember the name of it. Whole yeah. World's watching something like that. I think this Best episode, episode so far. ends in a way that promises that this series is going to get better. Yeah, I would argue it's the best episode so far. Um, there's just some stuff from the trailers and promo stuff that I'm, that I'm still waiting for that may not happen because it's Marvel. And they just like to fuck with you? Yeah. Like, I'm waiting for Bucky and Sam to be on a farm somewhere practicing with the shield because that farm kind of looked like hawkeyes oh, and, it, it's totally gonna be his farm but no one's gonna be there now God, i hope you're wrong because i love hawkeye so much you're the only person in existence who's ever said that i am not there are hawkeye stands out there I'm no not... there are jeremy renner stands but not hawkeye stands i'm not a hawkeye stan i just really do appreciate the character he's lying to you he's a hawkeye stan i'm really not he's a liar he's only like my fourth favorite avenger yeah fourth are we talking from movie lineup Avengers? Oh yeah, I'm talking from the, from the MCU. Ah, uh, okay. Because we got Iron Man, Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is not an Avenger. Not, not in the MCU. Not technically Spider-Man. <laughs> also not technically an Avenger. So you're just talking MCU heroes. He's your fourth favorite MCU hero? And then Hawkeye, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Differences. And then probably Thor is number five. Yeah, that, that feels Yeah, like- so he's pretty far up there, which is kind of an outrageous statement. <laughs> Given you're not talking about the MCU Avengers, you're talking about MCU Hero. Why? Where would you have him in your list? How far down is Hawkeye in your list? He's below Wong. (laughs) And Wong is just a uh, Doctor Strange side character. It's 
because they've done him dirty, Hawkeye's actually kind of cool in the comics, but I don't like MCU Hawkeye. He's not fun. That was so rude to Hawkeye. They fucked him. They fucked him over. They they haven't done anything interesting with him, really, at all. So. And the most interesting character they gave him, they finished in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So Thanks, Endgame. Yeah, so I don't have an interest in him as a character. I legitimately do have more interest in Wong as a character. I don't know. I think Hawkeye is a compelling character. He's... The only thing he has going for him is he's the only Avenger with a family, really. And potentially the only Avenger that's actually just a pure human. The Black Widow movie seems to hint... The trailers to the Black Widow movie seems to hint that she has the Widow Venom. I mean, the argument stands that Iron Man was just pure human. Oh, yeah, I forgot that... Yeah, he just uses technology, man. Actually, he's not a pure human. He's a cyborg. That's fact. (laughs) True, true. Like, sorry, he's a cyborg. Actually, he's Uh, not anymore. I mean, on that note, Ant-Man, pure human. Yeah, that's fair. But I just don't like Ant-Man. I don't like Paul Rudd. I like Ant-Man more than I like... I like Paul Rudd. I just don't like Paul Rudd's Ant-Man. I like him more than I like their Hawkeye. No. Yeah. Mm -mm. Yeah, I do. It's not a hard thing to do. Wild. So wild. He's at least enjoyable when he's on screen and has some decent lines, whereas Hawkeye is basically just, for almost its entirety in the films, a two-dimensional character. He's cool, okay? He He shoot bow good. (laughs) He shoot Bogard cool. I mean, oh, wow. Okay, I don't know. I just liked Hawkeye. I Like I said, he's good in the comics. I think the movie's doing poorly, so. Fair. Now, I haven't really been watching... Well, actually, other than the shows we mentioned, we are also watching Jujutsu Kaisen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot I forgot about that for a moment. I think we're about halfway through Jujutsu Kaisen season one. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, that's fun. So, to me, there is like this flow of shonens that come out that people hype up a lot. And then like the next one comes out, people hype up a lot. And it's like this continuous train of hyping up shonens. Yes, that's how shonen works. And so a couple years ago it was Demon Slayer. Yeah. And this year it's Jujutsu Kaisen. Yep. And I watched Demon Slayer and I loved it. Like, Demon Slayer is good. It's all right. But I don't love it for what it is. I love it for the music and the artwork. And I think I've talked about this before. You have. Watching Jujutsu Kaisen, though, I think Jujutsu Kaisen is just a solid show. I really, I really enjoyed it. It kind of feels like it's taking a bunch of like a lot of my favorite shonens. And just combining them into one one series. It hits shonen in a way that perfectly is just shonen. It approaches sh- like the shonen concept of show from the entirely correct and established angle. Which does that mean it's doing anything especially new? No. Does that mean it's doing like a shonen anime really well? Yes, absolutely. And it's got a tournament art coming up. It does, and we all know you love those. I just wish God of High School had stayed a tournament arc. <laughs> I know it didn't. I was so sad. Every time somebody described that anime to me, it was, yeah, it's just a martial arts tournament, the anime. And I was like, holy shit, that sounds awesome. And then they're like, yeah, and some of the characters have like superpowers and like spirit energy and stuff. And I was like, okay, cool. So it's like Yu Yu Hakusho meets like an actual like fighting anime. Yeah, I know. And um, that's what it was for the first half of the first season. I find, and I might be incorrect, but just from what I've seen, a lot of like more shonen manhwa I've read starts at like a good shonen like kind of standpoint, right? It's not technically shonen, but it is like a shonen vibe. And then it, it feels like they don't know where they're going from there. So they just try to amp up one specific aspect of what they were doing while leaving everything else kind of where it was or letting it go a bit. So like in God of High School, it was, oh, it, it feels like we're dragging a bit here. Well, how do we adjust that? What if we make all the weird magically spirity stuff much more important? I just wish... And ignore the other stuff. I just wish like that it had kept to what it was, what it started as instead of like 
diving into this whole like conspiracy and like the thing is god of high school felt like it had an a story which was the tournament a b story which was the main character and his friends like their team like how their teamwork was forming and like his yeah. his, his friends backstories mm-hmm. and it felt like it had a c story about the shadowy cabal that was trying to interfere with the, with the tournament and then in one episode the c story becomes the a story and everything else gets sidelined exactly like i was saying it feels like they have a good basis and then they just choose one specific element like half the time when i'm reading them and it's just like now this one thing is the only thing we're gonna focus on we're because it's not even that the c story just became the a story it's that the c story became the a story and the A and B story became like the D and E story. We just don't have a B or C. Well, we're talking about Shonen, though. Can I get hyped for a second? You can do you. Because there's this really cool Shonen anime from the early 2000s. And the manga is also very good. But it didn't get like a, the full manga didn't get turned into an anime at the time because whatever reason. And not only are they finishing it now, they're rebooting it from the beginning with updated visuals and acting. And I'm so excited because Shaman King is goddamn amazing. God, oh. Nah, Shaman King is shit, yo. Asakura? Exactly. You got exactly where I was going with it. That's uh, all I needed. Uh, no, like, I'm so excited because Shaman King was so good. I'm so Shaman King was actually really enjoyable. Yeah, it was. Like, And it's actually going to be super dope to see it with an anime. Yeah, the only downside is it's going to be a weekly release schedule. And God, I just want to binge the entire first season like right now. Yeah, it's not going to happen though. Anime takes a lot, long time to produce. Yeah, anyways, Shaman King's coming back in case you guys didn't know. I don't know the exact release date off that off the top of my head, but we can put that in the show notes. Yeah, maybe. I make no promises. It's probably not going to happen. So, other than that, I haven't really been watching any, like, shows. I know you actually just finished Smallville. I did, finally, yeah. How long were you watching that? Like, April or May? Like, March? Almost a year, something like that. I know you started it roughly when we started lockdown. Yeah, it was like a year. And you just finished it. There was like a two-month period where I just didn't watch an episode. That happened like twice. I'd I'd be watching it, and then I'd hit like a two-month period, and I'm like, I'm not, I can't, this show is bad. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Do you feel satisfied? I'm never satisfied with anything about my life, so no. Okay, let me ask you a different question. How do you feel about Smallville now? Um, basically the same as I did before. It's not a good show. Okay, if it's not a good show, then why did you watch because how many I seasons? Because I started it. How many seasons is it? Ten. Why did you do that? I, I, I don't. It was a poor decision. I mean, like, I have chosen to watch shows that are not the best, um... At a point, it became like a watch-hate thing where I could just bash on how badly <laughs> it did, like, DC elements. Like, their fucking Slade Wilson is horrible. It's, like, so fucking bad. It was mainly just a lot of bashing the show and the direction they decided to take things in after a point. Also being amused because I forgot Sam Witwer played Doomsday. Doomsday was just a man. Sam Witwer... Aiden, being human. Oh shit! Yeah, I was like, why do I know that name? And I was like, oh yeah, he, he wrote the D and he wrote that D and D book. <laughs> he did write a D and D book as well. Yeah, the D and D art book. He wrote that. Yeah, no, like he's a great actor and super neat guy. But yeah, uh, he was just Doomsday. <laughs> was he a good Doomsday? Did he play the role well? I mean, he was obviously wasn't a good Doomsday. He was obviously a terrible Doomsday. I mean, they they made him turn into like a monstrous version of Doomsday. Like he'd be mad, and then he'd rage and be Doomsday, and then he'd be a man again. So wild. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, his acting was good. His character was bad, but his acting was good. At, at what point in an evolutionary process where you take a baby and throw <laughs> it at a planet? <laughs> And then scoop up the pieces, make a new version, throw it at a planet again. At which point in this evolution process of just being like needing to be hardy and survive that, does the evolution process go, you know what you really need to be able to do? 
fit into alien society and look like a human. Does he have the same origins in Smallville? Uh, vaguely. He is genetically engineered. Is he genetically engineered by pitching him at a planet? Honestly, I don't fucking remember my brain. <laughs> like, the stuff I remember from Smallville, my brain goes, they did that thing bad, they did that thing bad, they did that thing bad. My brain's like, what exactly did we do bad? Did they do bad about it? And my brain goes, I don't remember. You don't want to remember. We've we've blocked most of that. For anybody con- currently confused by the Smallville conversation, Doomsday, you may rec- you remember him from the Batman vs. Superman movie, but his real origin, which isn't in that movie and isn't in Smallville, is that a scientist wanted to make the perfect life form so he took a baby and threw it at the surface of a planet. And then collected the genetic material that was left, cloned the baby, and did it again and again in an attempt to force evolution to create something that wouldn't die and would just be hardier and almost impossible to kill. And eventually we got Doomsday, a big spiky rock monster man. And that's Doomsday's origins. You take a baby, put it in a catapult, and flying it out of planet. Yeah, basically. Or a few million times. Yeah, I mean, I think it's all in good fun, you know? Um, sometimes in science, you just gotta go, well, that idea, not necessarily the most scientifically sound. It just sounds fun. Let's just try it. We won't know until we do it, right? And you know what? He was right. Like, he had this weird hypothesis and he was right. And I guarantee you he had a damn fun time doing it. <laughs> you know, actually, yeah, he he's a good scientist. He had a hypothesis and he set out to prove true with minimal damage he only one baby ever actually died it was the same baby a right couple, a couple million times yeah and you can't say he didn't have determination and hard work and like he retested this theory multiple multiple times <sighs> does the baby evolve like if that is your hypothesis if i throw a baby out of planet enough times will it evolve the first time he sees a difference in the genetic like structure of the baby he has his answer right well, no. but then he just keeps throwing it at the planet and yeah so like if your basic hypothesis there is Throwing a planet at a baby multiple times will make it evolve. Throwing, yes. a, throwing a planet at a baby multiple times will make the planet evolve? Throwing a baby at a planet multiple times, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I just imagined. <laughs> now, <laughs> that would be a fun hypothesis to test the other way as well, though. <laughs> if I throw a planet at a baby, will the planet evolve? If the baby is doomsday, maybe. <laughs> I think what's actually going to happen is the planet's not going to realize it hit anything. Unless the baby is doomsday. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair point. Because I'm pretty sure if you throw a planet at a high enough speed and it hits Doomsday, it's just going to bore a hole through the planet as Doomsday stays in that spot. Yeah, probably. In Uh, which case, your planet needs to evolve. I don't know how you copy the genetic structure of a planet, but it's DC, so there's probably a living planet somewhere. Actually, I know there is. It's a Green Lantern, so. See, I just imagined the planet planet makers from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. (laughs) Yeah, that's actually how they, like make hardier planets they just throw them at babies so video games we talked about video games and we talked about the tv shows we're watching right now for me that means i only have a couple a couple other things left i don't have enough time in life to actually read and do other stuff so i listen to books on audible this is not a sponsorship for audible audible please sponsor me but so i listen to books on audible at work and for some reason about a month ago i got it in my head that i wanted to reread twilight's twilight saga why would you do that well because i remember i liked them when i was like a freshman in high school like i vaguely remembered i liked superman when i was like 10 so i was like smallville i was like i'm gonna go i'm gonna go back and reread these and i think i have most of the books around somewhere in a tote in a storage place somewhere probably but a don't have time to read b didn't want to dig them out so i got them on audible and i started listening to them and i finished all four of them in about a week because all four of those books are shorter than like a single book in the king killer chronicles and how does that make you feel like do you feel good about yourself here's the thing 
I could have sworn Breaking Dawn was a longer book, but it was only like 16 hours. That tracks. So was it worth I it? had a bunch of like things I remembered in t- about Twilight. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying anything I remembered was wrong. I just remember, I just misremembered context of a lot of the stuff I remembered. I mean, honestly, at least you didn't remember the book being like strictly better. And like in your mind, rewrote the entire back half of the book. No, I, uh, I did that for Fault in Our Stars. <laughs> I, I read it once. No, because I... I, I hesitate to say the word Mandela effect, but no, I fucking remember the same thing you remembered. When I, I like, I talked to you about, it, like, I read the book a second, and I was like, I'm pretty sure all of this is what actually happened. And you're like, yeah. Yeah, except it doesn't. And God damn it, do I, I have not read that book since, I don't believe you. Like, <laughs> I watched the movie, and I was like, man, that's a wild change. But, so I listened through Twilight, and all I have to really say about it is, they use the word werewolf way more than I remember, even though they clarify in Breaking Dawn that they aren't werewolves. And they also clarified in New Moon, if you're paying attention, that they're not werewolves. Yep. But they use the word werewolf so much between those two points that I honestly can no longer blame anybody that's like, ha ha, Jacob's a werewolf. Like, yeah, Stephanie Meyer said that word like 30,000 times in between New Moon and Breaking Dawn. I don't blame you for thinking he's a werewolf anymore. Also, just from having like heard it in the background in the fucking apartment, I hate her dialogue writing. Her dialogue writing is so bad, and not even just like the way people speak, but even just like she said, So yeah. he replied. So here's the thing. Like one of, the basic. One of the big things I have, one of the big things in my brain going on, going going into this was how the fuck did Fifty Shades of Grey start as a Twilight fanfic? I'm not seeing Fifty Shades of Grey in its entirety. I've just seen, I've listened to reviews about it. I've like tangentially experienced the topic of Fifty Shades of Grey. I'm like, how the fuck did Twilight fanfic become Fifty Shades of Grey? And honestly, I see it now. Yeah. I, it's, it's so obvious. It's ridiculous. Is it from the simplified version of writing? Yes. Yeah, that's 100%. Like, Twilight's- like, it's not hard to mimic the writing style, so it's not hard to be like, look, I made this and you don't hear or and have people complain about it, like, not sounding like the actual thing and characters not being out of character, like, having horrible representations so they're not out of character or OC, as people say. It's just, yeah, no, that sounds like this because these characters are pretty two-dimensional. Also, every character in Twilight, and I mean this, every single character in Twilight is incredibly problematic. Except for Seth. Except for Seth Clearwater. And Charlie for like no. most of I'm, let me finish. No. <laughs> and Charlie for like the first half of the series, and then they're just like, remember how Charlie was a pretty good guy? Yeah, fuck that. Remember how Charlie was a pretty good guy? Watch him congratulate a teenage boy for sexually assaulting his daughter. Yeah, it's just like Char- Charlie was too good of a guy, so we just suddenly changed that on you. But no, Seth is the only good person. He really is. Um, I have a weird attachment now to Boo Boo. Let's do it. Yeah, like because he's the only pot. Like I love. The actor that played Edward, he's a very good actor. Robert Pattinson, I love him as an actor, but Boo Boo Stewart played the only good character in the entire series, and, like, even Alice is a problematic, like... Mm Mm-hmm. Everyone's problematic. They're all terrible. Every single person in those books are terrible. Honestly, the least problematic people are Seth, who is not problematic at all. Um, the ancient vampires in general, because no, no, they're still problematic. They're just problematic in the way that your great great grandparents are problematic. Yeah, exactly. They're like <laughs> the endearing form of problematic, which is like that was your generation. You're all fucked up. <laughs> Honestly, I would like to spend the next hour just going through each character in Twilight, talking about why they're problematic and why they're toxic people. But I know that that's not something we could do. I mean, we could. I hate all of them so much. Do you want to? a bonus episode where you're just talking about the problematic characters of twilight only if you go through twilight with me again so we can like take notes i'm not taking notes on this i'll pull up like a list of characters and click on them on wikipedia if you need me to you know what's really sad jacob isn't problematic for the first half like for the for for all of twilight yeah because he's like what a 13 year old 14 year old he's 14 or 15 he's 15 in twilight okay 
And he's not problematic at all in Twilight. And he's not problematic at all in the first half of New Moon. And then it's sudden wolf-like things. So now he's an alpha douche. Well, no, I mean, it, it, it happens even before that, like... Yeah. But it's... I don't know. Like, I, it, it's just... I remember liking these books, and like I don't, I, I don't think I ever like liked the main characters. Like I didn't really ever no. like, like Edward or like Bella or Jacob, or Jacob. But like I remember liking Alice and Jasper, and and um, Jasper is a Confederate war hero. Yes, I don't know how you forgot that or mentioned that before. You and you're just like, oh yeah. I think you seem to forget it every time because <laughs> Jasper doesn't actually do a lot in the books or the movies. Like I want to like him, and I want to like Alice. You know, actually, Rosalie's not that problematic. I mean, she does support Bella in a decision that could lead to Bella's death because Rosalie wants a baby, and maybe that's a little problematic, yeah. but she's an actually okay person as far as somebody that can murder six people. Um, Like, no, like murder six humans can, can be a good person. I mean, they did rape her and leave her for dead. True. Um, so, you know, in that case, she's an okay person. Ellen Carlisle. God, actually, Carlisle's a good person. Mm. No, he's a good person. He doesn't mm. even make problematic decisions in the books. Mm. Other than making new vampires, which... Making new vampires with the explicit thing of, like, you are now going to be this person's mate. Yeah, but he doesn't, like, force that. He's just like... No, no, no. He just suddenly decides to turn people into vampires to be like, now you're going to date my adopted son. My, no. Oh, you're not going to do that? Now you're just going to be my adopted daughter. Oh, no, no. we should make you a relationship. That's not how that happens at all. He, he does make Rosalie a vampire for Edward, but, like, he only does it because she's been brutalized and left for dead, and he's like, hey... It's better to save her and potentially like create a partner for Edward so he's not lonely for all of existence than to let her die. Like I think when he That's an argument and a statement that I won't agree with because I feel like any situation where you're turning someone into a vampire or mortally damning damning someone, depending on their own religious beliefs or their view, is something that you should have input on. So if they're dying and unable to respond, you let them die. Okay. I will that's that's a fair argument, but I will say naturally problematic. I will say Carlisle does it to save people like as a uh, having her as a mate for edward was like second on his mind his primary concern was she doesn't deserve to die like this but see there's an issue here the man has been repeatedly a doctor throughout time right and it's just no he didn't become a doctor until the 1900s yeah but he's been a doctor for over a century at this point for less than a century Twilight takes place in 2007 oh sorry slightly less than a century and we know he turns edward during the spanish influenza Yes. Which means he doesn't just save people because they're dying and don't deserve to die. Because I guarantee you as a doctor, no, he, he saved... saw that a fuck ton no, many so, more so, times. Okay, so hold on. Edward's a special case because Edward's mother, who was also dying of the Spanish influenza, had deduced what Carlisle was yeah, yeah, and, and, begged, and begged, her, begged him to save mm-hmm. her son. Despite like, the fact that he also knew that Edward was extremely, extremely religious. He never talked to Edward before he turned to Edward. Like, that wasn't a choice. Edward was fever and comatose. Yeah, but he knew the mother very well, and she, he knew she was very religious. I mean, And she begged him yeah, to and he, save and her he got, son. Yeah, and he got no input from the person. What I'm saying is he overlooked one person's wishes for another. And I guarantee you he's been begged to straight up save other people. It's just they didn't know he was a vampire. So, like, as a doctor, it's save our child. And he's just like, well, because you don't know I'm a vampire, I don't have to worry about you trying to ask oh, me to do it that way. Okay, so, so I'm not going to save them. It was a combination of her begging him because she, she knew he was a vampire and he had been alone for 350 years and was like, yeah, you know what? I need a friend. Yeah, but but see, not like super unproblematic at that point. I still think Carlisle's a highly unproblematic character. I argue that just being a vampire as a nature makes you probably pretty problematic. And it does. He's the least problematic vampire, but he's still a problematic character because vampires are <laughs> vampires by their nature and characteristic. Just the way you kind of have to write them are problematic he's never killed a human or drank human blood 
he is not a, he's like the least problematic yeah, yeah but he's still also centuries older than his wife yes. and forces her and like pulls into a relationship where he has a massive power dynamic over her and experience and thus it's kind you could argue still grooming even though she is old enough to be considered an adult he is so much older that like there are already problematic issues there no matter how you look at it okay vampires by inherent nature are problematic okay so with with esme we don't get a lot of story on how she was turned we know she was heartbroken as she jumped off a cliff and then carlisle saved her but what we do know is that carlisle doesn't make any of the vampires stay with him they all have their they all have their right to leave and go as they as they wish Mm-hmm. We, we we know that Edward spent decades outside yeah. of the co- outside of the Colin Coven. We know that Alice and Jasper he didn't make them. They just showed up one day and were like, "Hey, we're in your coven now because yeah, Alice yeah. can see the future." But but he's also just like, "Now you're immortal and you're a vampire, and you were all kind of dying when this happened, so I never got any of your inputs really for most of you." So um, for any of them, because yeah. even Emmett and Rosalie finds him after a bear. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's just, you know, congratulations, you're immortal, you're a vampire now. At no point does he get anyone's input when he turns them into a vampire. Yes, that's true. And then he's just like, I did it for your good. And it's just like, did you? Maybe I wanted to die. Or in Esme's case, legitimately wanted to die. I think Esme is the most problematic case because she did try to kill herself, which means she herself wanted to die. And Carlisle was like, I am God, you can't die. Yeah. So I mean, eh, vampires by their own nature are problematic. You're never going to convince me otherwise anyways sorry guys i just re-listened through all of twilight also there's a lot of cool shit in the twilight world that we never could actually see because stephanie myers is much more concerned with like this a really bad romantic triangle yeah like there's a vampire out there who's the fucking avatar yeah and he gets like two sentences in the entire series and that's that, that's exaggeration he actually gets like four or five. Oh wow so much more there's a vampire who's literally a living an undead lie detector she is in the irish coven Along with a guy named Garrett, who is just lucky, like preternaturally lucky. And even though he says it's not a talent, there's a vampire who used to be part of the like vampire Illuminati. Uh, what are they called? I don't remember. Volturi. The Volturi. Yeah, he used to be part of the Volturi. Wait, what was I fucking right? Yeah, and his entire <laughs> his entire power is being able to tell if other vampires have powers and what their powers are. So even though like he's like, yeah, that guy has a power. Garrett's like, I don't have a power. I'm just super lucky. Yeah. There's all these cool vampires and all this shit going on in the background of Twilight that we never get to touch on. Legitimately, if we just didn't deal with the Collins and Bella, I think the universe is much more enjoyable if we look at them. But instead, we follow like arguably the least interesting vampires. I mean, and, yeah. And like the blandest girl to ever exist and some shape-shifting wolf boys. What do you think of the Twilight vampires? Like just in like... Vam- in the context of vampires. In the context of vampires. I know there's this whole, like, group of people that hate the Twilight vampires because, quote-unquote, they sparkle. I don't give a shit they sparkle. They had a really bad fucking effect in the movie. Yeah. And so also, bad deal. sparkle's kind of the wrong word. Like, mm-hmm. their, their, their skin is described more like it reflects light like marble or, like, white stone does. So less yeah, sparkle. But I don't mind them. I mean, honestly... In my mind, they don't really strike a vampire chord so much as, like, immortal mutants because they have their weird talents. Not all of them have talents, though. Rosalie and Emmett don't have talents. No, they do. They just haven't figured them out yet. And Carlisle and Esme They haven't unlocked their powers yet. They have them. Everyone has them. And one, of the Volta- it. and one of the Volturi leaders doesn't have any powers. Lies. That guy who can detect powers that works for them just won't tell other people because he's been told not to by the leader, obviously. Also, I need new books to listen to at work. I don't know what I want to listen to next. Ah. Listeners, 
Suggest me books to listen to. Preferably longer ones, because Twilight books are short. Yeah. Also, goddamn, do I hate all the parallels that Stephanie Myers tries to make between Romeo and Juliet and Edward and Bella? And, like, she just tries to make, like, force them into Bella's mind, like, because Bella loves Romeo and Juliet. And I'm like, no, Romeo and Juliet is not that good. And using it as an example of quote-unquote eternal love is terrible, because they were both teenagers who were like, like, Juliet's like 13, and she's like, my boyfriend is dead. Oh no, kills herself. Yeah. Remember, really, it's not good. By far, in my opinion, one of Shakespeare's weakest works. And then she also uses Wuthering Heights as like a not, parallel. Wuthering Heights isn't the worst, but. Yeah. I mean, I, I still think it's weird to me that she's trying to like, in her own writing, parallel her writing to like. Classic to... literature. And it's just like, these are really well respected, and you are writing this book. <laughs> and you are currently writing Twilight. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, I think I'm off Twilight for now. Dope. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about? No, I've been good since you started talking about Twilight for like the past 20 minutes. I mean, I know you love Twilight. Oh yeah, definitely. So, I guess because I did bring up Twilight, we have to go to the age-old question. Team Edward or Team Jacob? Team Seth. I mean, Seth doesn't have any romantic interest in Bella. Exactly. I mean... Okay, so Seth is obviously the best character by and by and far away. Like, you know what makes him the best character audience? Our our frequent flyers. You know what makes Seth Clearwater the best character? He's fifteen. He's not like tied up in any romantic triangles with characters who are decades older than him. And his pack leader, Sam Black, no Jacob Black, Sam. I don't remember what Sam's last name is. Um, his pack leader, Sam, is like, we gotta go kill the monster that's living in Bella. So because it could be a danger to everybody. And Seth is like, yeah, but the only way you can do that is by killing Bella. And we have to. Our job is to sit, is to protect humans. You can't protect humans if you're gonna go kill Bella. Yeah. And like that's why he leaves the pack and joins Jacob is because he's like, you can't just choose some humans are more important than others when our job is to protect humans. Yep. Seth is a good person. And, um, Team Seth. Team Seth. But if you had to choose Jacob or Edward, who would you choose for Bella to end up with? Jacob. Specifically because then the whole imprinting thing doesn't get written. And <laughs> now, the imprinting thing happened before that, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the whole imprinting thing with, like, Bella's daughter doesn't happen. Um, one of Jacob's best friends imprints on a two year old, so I, mean... I know, but that character's not super important, so it's easier to not make it a focal point. I think that was Emery, if I remember correctly. I don't know. I just know it's not a major focal focus point, so it doesn't matter. Whereas Jacob imprinting on Bella's child is more of a focal point. Man. So we just say no to that, so he ends up so Jacob ends up with her. So that doesn't happen. I would also say Jacob and like it's it's a very easy Also thing. vampires are creepy. And hundreds of years older, so. Yeah, he's over 100 years old, married to a 19-year-old at the end of the book. But Jacob's 16 and a half, and Bella's 19, and Jacob's physically, like, 27, because werewolf age. Yeah. So I think that's a lot more reasonable. But yeah, also, I didn't bring this up when I was talking about Twilight until you just brought it up. But imprinting's so fucked up, no matter how you, like, look at it. The only time imprinting, like, is quote-unquote okay is when it happens, like, with Sam and um his wife it's still fiance. Not, it's still not okay i mean why not oh i'm just not a fan of the whole imprinting thing or like alpha beta relationships like written in like an instinctual way for characters in writing and i've seen them multiple times and i just hate them because they are generally when i've seen them used excuses to write relationships in a really poor or negative or like actively toxic way 
but say it's fine because it's natural for the way those characters are, okay. and I hate it. So Sam's relationship is actually fucking great. Yeah, no, his relationship is fine. I'm saying I Despite hate it. Despite the fact that he got really mad once and, and werewolfed out and blasted her face with werewolf claws. Mm-hmm. But it's fine for her because she knows he really loves her because he imprinted on her. Well, I mean, that's not the, th- uh, he, the way imprinting works between two grown uh, no, people. No, I know. My point is I hate things like that because it allows for an excuse like that to exist, and that's never okay. My only issue with imprinting, like, I don't have that issue with imprinting i think imprinting between like characters of similar ages is fine because it's more like true love kind of thing where they both feel it also i hate the idea of true love so yeah well but (laughs) when like i think it was emery imprints on a two-year-old or jacob imprints on a fucking newborn there's no 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 no. he imprints on a fetus oh technically yes in fact he imprints on bella's egg and thus also edward's unborn sperm and i don't know why he doesn't like edward more at the beginning of the books because he explains away the reason why he was so attracted to bella is because he was destined to imprint on her child which means he should have also just been down with edward and been like dude i fucking love your sperm uh, yeah a little bit but the fact that they're imprinting on babies and then like the book tries to justify they're like yeah, but it's not like he it doesn't have romant- to be romantic. Like it's not he doesn't they don't view them in a romantic way. They just want to be there to protect them and like take care of them and like they'll be the best big brother or like best uncle they they could wish for until such a time that like they're both uh, of the same age. These werewolves stop aging as long as they're werewolves. They're grown consenting adults, and then she's like, "Oh, so they'll groom them for 16, 16 18 years. years." Yeah. Oh Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's fine. I, like, I got to the point where Emery, again, I think it was Emery, imprints on a two-year-old. I literally paused the, the, like, audible, and in the middle of work, like, started Googling, like, why there wasn't a larger backlash around imprinting, because Jesus Christ is that creepy as fuck. Yeah. (laughs) No, no, like I said, I don't like imprinting, I don't like alpha, beta, like, natural instinct, like. Hey, there are no betas in. um, I know, but I'm talking like, it's not even just like in Twilight. I mean, it's a thing that you'll find that like, it's just a way some people have written shit. I hate the way that relationship style is written because it's, here is this and these people act or they form these relationships like an alpha will act as like a beta and like some weird bullshit. I actually do like- And it's like this whole thing that exists and I hate it because it, like I said, it allows for all these bad relationships and bad things to just exist and get like thrown around and it's fine because it's fiction and also because, well, it's just a natural way for how they're supposed to be and it's fucked up. I will say I actually do like how the alpha wolf thing works in Twilight because it's actually pretty close to how alpha wolves work in real life where it's just the oldest male in the pack is the leader and like he can like step down or like be, be, no longer be the leader of the pack but it's just he has the most experience so the other wolves like naturally look to him for leadership. That's how wolves work. There's no actual like alpha alpha thing. In Twilight, there's a little bit of, like, magic tied to the alpha thing, but yeah, it's pretty close. It's the least, like, toxic alpha wolf wolf thing going on. True. Like, Teen Wolf does alpha wolf thing so much worse. Vampire Diaries doesn't do it much better. Yeah, so I'll take that at least. I mean, I guess that's my... I guess I just gave Stephanie Myers props. You, good job. You're, you're not, like, the worst writer of werewolves, even though they're not technically werewolves. You did write Native Americans terribly, though, and, like, profit mm. off of real-world Native American tribes and... Yeah. None of your vampire... Like, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's it for this in the cockpit. Sorry I just spent 25 minutes talking about Twilight. I don't know why I wanted to re- listen to those books again. They weren't very good. No, no, they weren't. You know what probably would have been better use of your time? Watching all 10 seasons of Smallville. <laughs> 
No. Want to know how I know that's not the, the case? Twilight took less than a week to do. I think I would have hated to be listening to Twilight more than watching Smallville. Nope. Nope. Don't think so. Smallville, Twilight, Frequent Flyers. Let us know which one is probably a better way to spend your time. He not be- that either of them are good. Actually, yeah, I'll post this as a Twitter poll with the episode. Would you rather rewatch a terrible TV show, Smallville, or re-listen to a terrible book series, Twilight? Anyways, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be coming at you with a new review on the 22nd. If you want to contact us, as always, you can reach us at copilotsreview at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at copilotsreview. Or you can find us at our website at copilotsreview.simplecast.com, which has links for our Twitter, Discord. Our email. Our email, pretty much everything else you, you might want to contact us. And as always, if you have the time, if you like the show, if you hate the show, if you want to tell us that... Twilight is obviously the best piece of fiction ever written, um, <laughs> or that Smallville is the best adaptation of a comic book character to ever happen on any screen ever. Um, leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you can leave reviews. It helps the algorithm. It helps other people find us. But most importantly, it lets us know if you have a terrible taste in television or books. Yeah, then that, that truly is the most important thing. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.